Cost of Not Paying Attention, hosted by nationally recognized speaker Janine Hamner Holman. Janine knows what it takes to attract and retain world class talent. Join her here each week on The Cost of Not Paying Attention as we use brain science, leadership, management, and real life challenges managers face to explore the places where we aren't paying attention. Welcome to The Cost of Not Paying Attention. I'm your host. Janine Hamner-Holman. Our guest for today is Kai Hertz. And I got to know Kai uh, a little over a year ago when I was brought in by his organization to help them with psychological safety. And so I'm so excited to welcome Kai to the show. Kai studied political and administrative sciences at the Konstanz University in Germany. After he completed his master's degree, he then pursued a job, his first job, at the World Bank. And in 1997, he started working at the Inter-American Development Bank, which is the organization, actually, it's not. So Chaz is going to take that out right there. So I'm just going to back up a little bit. Working for the Inter-American Development Bank, as a lead specialist in the area of grants and co-financing. Since last April, April 2023, Kai has been the president of the Inter-American Development Bank Staff Association. And that is the organization that brought me in to uh, help with psychological safety at work. So Kai, welcome to the show. And what is something that you have noticed? What's like one thing that you have noticed that the team at IADB, which is, or IDB, the Inter-American Development Bank, I'm not going to keep using Inter-American Development Bank because that's just way too many words. So IDB, what's something that you've realized that the team has been failing to pay attention to? And what is, what's the problem? that that inattention is causing. Well, thank you, Janine, for having me on this interesting podcast of yours. You're welcome. It has been a pleasure having you a couple of months ago at yes. the Psychological Safety Event. Going back to your question, I think one of my first things was that the staff association as a structure within the bank shouldn't be an afterthought. Yeah. It should be something, there's a structure and we need to use it. And why am I putting so much emphasis on this? Because and I would like to go actually back to the value added of a staff association or, you know, even before we started having a staff association of unions. So maybe I can take you back a little bit as to what, you know, the value of unions is, at least from what I learned at my university when I was a student. So yes. one of my economic history professors mentioned that the rise of capitalism in England was the result of collective bargaining power, right? And the staff association in the end represents collective bargaining power. Yeah. Well, so in the beginning, there was no organized labor. There were no unions yet. So basically workers went on strike to demand back then, you know, better living conditions and pay. Yes. And because of these movements, 
labor conditions and hourly wages improved, right? So in other words, the owners of the means of production were sharing part of the profits with the labor force, right? Right. Which in turn increased demand, created better labor conditions, contributed to improvements in productivity. So all of that, that in the end, the owners of the machinery, the owners of the capital uh, wanted to see as well, right? And it is because of these worker movements and subsequent establishment of unions that capitalism was successful, right? Yes. So my point here is the struggle between owners of capital and workers created a win-win situation, a win-win situation that has led to the advanced, you know, Western societies in which we live today, right? So now let's go back to the establishment. Fast forward to the IDB's staff association where we do represent collectively the interests of our members. And enabling this collective bargaining power between the employees of the bank and the bank's management team at all levels, from the board of executive directors to the president, to the vice president, managers, and so on, that is a positive thing. Right? I mean, history mm-hmm. has shown us that it is a positive thing. And actually, there was an interesting article a couple of days ago about in financial times, about good conflict uh-huh. and organizational culture, you know, yeah. uh, needs a good, healthy conflict, which in turn is related to good leadership and the ability to manage conflict, right? So I find a very interesting article in the financial times, actually a couple of... Yeah, and, and one of the things that, that you're pointing to and that I love is, you know, we have this idea that... Yeah, We, unfortunately, are all living in a world where it feels like it's us versus them, whoever the us is and whoever the them is. You know, we're we're in this world of polarization. And so we think about, you know, workers and workers' rights. And then we think about organizations and the kinds of things that organizations are, are trying to do, not least among them. Uh, create profit for whoever it is that uh, they're creating profit for. And the reality is that when you think about an, a company, a nonprofit organization, a association, you know, what, whatever the organizational structure is, there is nothing that that company organization can get done without its employees. The employees are the heart of the organization. They are the customer-facing part of the organization. They are what makes the organization work. They are what creates the profits. And so, you know, we've we've created this false us versus them concept. And I love that what you're doing is saying, you know, no, it's an us and them. It's, it's a us together, it's the staff and the organization that make something strong, which is, which is you know, a key part of the, of the history of labor unions, both in the United States and around the world. Absolutely, Janine, absolutely. I mean, the staff association in the end brings different perspectives to the table, right? It invites the administration not only to look at numbers, you know, usually if you go to the vice presidency of finance and of course the upper management as well, they always look at numbers and numbers. Okay. Have an impact on the efficiency criteria and so on. But I think we, we are forgetting 
that people make numbers. People make numbers happen. People are the driving force of an organization, of any organization. And the way people are being treated has a tremendous impact on the success, on the profitability of an institution, right? Happy employees or the lack thereof can make a break <laughs> institution, right? <laughs> and, so, and because, it's, I mean, yep. you know, so that's in the end uh, the, the result. If you don't pay attention to the staff association, it can become costly uh, for an institution. So I don't know if you, I can give you some examples of successful collaboration within the IDB if you want. Sure. Um, so yeah. People, you know, because people when it works well, what does it look like? Yeah, because people who just joined the bank, they're not aware of it. So they, you know, they see this and this is, has been there forever, kind of, right, since you joined the bank. But let me just give you a few examples here. The cafeteria, the bank in its previous building on 17th Street and here in Washington, D.C., it didn't have a cafeteria. And then they oh. moved uh, to this building in the 13 New York Avenue. And I don't know if you've been here uh, ever, but uh, during negotiations between his association and manager bank back then, the cafeteria, you know, came about. And now we have on the seventh floor on our beautiful building, we have a nice cafeteria and staff can enjoy this cafeteria. You know, we don't have to go outside and, and, and go and grab a, a bite. No, you have everything in-house, right? Yeah. And actually at an affordable price. That's something that was accomplished at negotiations between the staff association and management. Another great benefit is the gym. You know, we mm. have a gym in the basement and what used to be just, uh, you know, a collection of some old equipment now <laughs> is a top of the line, you know, a gym facility where you can, you know, also have access to specific training, yoga, and regular gym out there. And I think and, one more example, um, because... Yeah. I think it's important here, especially for the female population, a daycare. We yeah. have a daycare facility within um, the bank's building. And that is key. You know, you have you know, your kids in good hands. You want to see them, you just elevate a click away from your office and you can see your kids. Um, that's what I call contributing to work-life balance. You mentioned, I guess, work-life harmony. So yes. it's exactly that what it feeds into. And that's, you know, just some examples with, Give show you the value added of this positive relationship between management and the staff association. It's not we against them; it's us together doing great things. You know, and and part of what I love about that, you know, one of one of the things that organizations are really looking at is this this concept of organizational wellness, which in large part is is really about the health and wellness of their employees, but it's not just about, you know, giving, giving health care. It's, it's also about how do we take care of the, you know, hearts and minds of our people. And the reality is we've all been because of COVID, but also because of things that were happening before COVID, you know, we've been going through years of tumult and sort of perpetual change. And it's very difficult for human beings to manage. And so I love it that part of what you're doing is creating, you know, so you touched on sort of three key things. You're creating a way for people to get good, healthy, warm food easily at work. You're creating places for people to burn off some of the stress or work out some of the stress that 
gets created just by, you know, being at work. And you're creating a space where people's children can come and be taken care of so that mom or dad doesn't have to be worried about their kids and can even, you know, pop down and check in on them. And so, like, I love it that I I don't know if that was by intent, by design, but that those were the three examples that you pointed to, because, you know, when we think about having healthy organizations, part of what we get to think about is how are we helping to support the health and wellness of our people? You know, depression has skyrocketed. Anxiety has skyrocketed. Rates of young children thinking about, you know, doing the unthinkable and taking their own lives has skyrocketed over the last number of years. And so creating things where families can be together more, where mom and dad can pop down and and see their kids, where mom and dad can take care of themselves over the course of the day while still at work is is beautiful. And, you know, I love it. I, I love having guests on where we get to highlight the good things that organizations are doing. And in particular, in the case of IDB, you know, the, the staff association is really having a key role in ensuring that those things that are that are critical to the health and welfare of the employees of the bank get created. It's exactly that, Janine. I mean, that we did it together, you know. I don't want to yeah. downgrade the human resource department, but I, I think the human resource department can only go so far, right? Yeah, and that's exactly what I wanted to get into next. Like, what's, so, you know, some organizations have unions, Many organizations have human resources departments. And so what's the, like, differentiate a little for us between what HR can do, what a staff association or union can do, and sort of what the limitations and opportunities are. Yeah. I mean, just give you a little background on the number of members that we have. About 70, 75% of people working at the IDB are members of the staff association. So this is a, you know, very significant uh, number of people, right? And they're not only, you know, junior staff, they're from all over the place, from all over the administration, be it, you know, high level, mid-level chiefs and so on. So everybody is kind of in that group as well. This is kind of the good news because we continue to be attractive to um, people from, at different levels of hierarchy and, and power within the institution. So there, there is an implicit value added that the staff association um, kind of uh, offers. You know, we do have clubs, we provide legal advice, uh, there is, uh, we do kind of advocacy, as I mentioned to you, so the, the daycare and others, you know, that's our advocacy, the results of our advocacy activities. But here, I mean, the limitations that the HR department has and we also have our own limitations. From my sure. perspective, the HR department, you know, they have a purpose to service, you know, the human employees of the IDB, while they're tasked with a very important role to manage human resources in any institution, not only at the IDB. It faces challenges building an image of an honest broker, you know, not only representing the interests of the bank's management, usually that's their main focus, but also that of its employees. So. I think there is doubt that the HR department, there's no doubt, I'm sorry, that the HR department in coordination with other bank departments 
at the IDB, at least, offers a series of career-advancing opportunities. You know, we do have training courses, we do have leadership workshops, and so on. But those are great inputs for people in management position and, and, some, and some lead functions. But those all, you know, actions that they provide or platforms that they provide for, you know, staff in, in some good times, right? <laughs> but when, when the going gets rough a little bit, you know, then I yeah. guess, you know, where do you go? Okay. So I think the staff association has, you know, has an intrinsic value here as well. And the purpose is to promote the well-being of its members, right? And there are no questions asked here. What are you in good times or bad times? You know, we, that's always our mission, right? So the good thing is here that this, the, the human resource department offers also leadership skills and, and training for lead to enhance leadership skills and so on. And so that people can actually learn those skills and provide greater empathy. You know, that is yeah. a good thing, right? Because Absolutely. you mentioned it, empathy can be learned, right? That's, that's a good that's thing, great. you know, and the bank is offering those courses as well. But in addition to these courses, and I think that's, you know, we need to keep in mind that, that we ourselves need to take action too, right? Yeah. Employees, we as employees, you know, we need to take action too. So all of us who are not necessarily in a leadership position can also, we can also do our part, you know, we are quick and, you know, pointing fingers at others and so on and fail to <laughs> look at ourselves, you know? Yeah. And the other day I, I, you know, over the Christmas period, I read an interesting book by Sean Aker. You're probably familiar with it, which provides an interesting evidence that our mindset, you know, our mindset is crucial, you know. My own mindset is having a critical impact on our overall happiness. You know, as he describes in his book, the, the mindset is our, the, the construction of our daily activities. You yeah. know, the mental construction of our daily activities is, is more than the activity itself that defines our reality. And he did some tests that he described there. So what we think uh, defines how we, in the end, uh, feel and how we produce. Absolutely. So that is key. We need to have both sides, you know, uh, take that both sides into consideration, you know. Yeah. And, and you know, this, this idea of mindset, on the one hand, it can feel sort of, you know, woo-woo. It can feel sort of like, you know, our attitude creates what we bring to us and blah, blah, blah. However, the science, the science of neurobiology has taught us that the lens that we see things through entirely shapes our perception of reality. And, you know, everybody talks about there's there's three realities. There's my reality, there's your reality, and there's actually what, what happened. <laughs> because, you know, I see it through whatever the lens is that I'm looking through. I was, I was talking with a gentleman the other day who's a professor at the Harvard Business School. And he and I were talking about the work that I do and the work that he teaches about. And I remember having the thought, why is this, and, and my brain, you know, said a bad word in my brain, why is this human mansplaining this to me? This is, this is what I do. I, I know all of this. And then I realized, okay, wait, that's the lens that I'm looking through. He's not talking down to me. He's not mansplaining to me. He's professoring. 
That's what he does. He gets up in front of lecture halls and he professors. So what he's doing is professoring. He's not me. He's not trying to belittle me. He's not trying to belittle my experience. But that was the lens that I was looking through. And then when I changed the focus, when I widened out the focus, so I wasn't thinking of him as a jerk who's mansplaining to me. I'm thinking of him now as a Harvard Business School professor who's professoring. It then created a whole new opportunity for connection and affinity and for me to even hear what he was saying. Because, you know, when I was dismissing him in the beginning because he's being a jerk, then I couldn't even take in what he was saying. And so this idea of our mindset, how we perceive things is so critical. And and I love it that that you read this book and I love it that that's part of what you're bringing in. And I want to I want to look a little bit, you, you touched on, you know, sort of employee engagement and our, our feelings of happiness and contentment. And, you know, so much of that is connected to our mindset, our perspective. It's also connected, obviously, to some things that happen. And so when you're thinking about, you know, your role, obviously, with the staff association and when our listeners are thinking about you know, the role of a labor union that might exist at their organization or what they as leaders can be creating at their organization. Talk to me a little bit about how that all connects in together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going back to what you said about listening, I think listening is very important, right? You said it, you're not just interpreting the words from your lens, but you're listening. Right. And I think when it comes to the, to the relationship between the human resource department or any bank administration at different levels and the staff station it is, we have to listen to each other, you know, and not simply project what is the other guy saying and then kind of interpret it the way I would like to see it uh, and so on. <laughs> so, no, we need to listen, you know. Right. And, and when we listen, I guess we learn. And, you know, same that you learn that, you know, if there's a professor in front of you, hopefully you can learn something from that professor. Same right. as, you know. We are doing this webinar that we promote with the staff association. Hopefully our listeners and members learn from it, they listen to it, reflect on, upon it, and then become a little happier, hopefully contributes to their happiness index, as I would like to call it, you know? Yeah. And let me go back to John Harker because I, I really love his book, The, the Happiness Advantage, yeah. when he says that happiness is the center around which success orbits. Uh -huh. So if we don't have happy staff, happy, you know, workers, then our institution, our, our, you know, suffers the consequences, you know, we are less productive, we are less engaged and, and so on. So, and it's also reflected in some of the, you know, it's not only reflected in books that we can read and buy uh, anywhere, but also in internal reports uh, of the okay. IDB, you know, where you see that what is kind of the main problem here and why people are not happy. And part of it goes back to the leadership qualities of those that are in leadership positions. But thankfully, as you said also, you know, we can learn it, you know, and, yeah. and through that learning, we can learn to be better leaders, to be uh, more, show more empathy, you know, and, and so on. But in addition to that, as I mentioned before, you know, we need to do our own job too. We need to do our own part and, and grow and, and, and listen and so on. And as the staff association, I think what we are doing here is I'm connecting that to the clubs we're offering, right? Mm. Because as a member of, of the staff association, we do promote clubs, be it a runner's club, be it a tennis club, 
meditation, art, you know, you name it. We all promote as a staff station these different clubs, which provides the employee with the opportunity to build, you know, social connections around common interests. Right. And it is these social activities that have an impact on our mindset and our happiness index, right? So I think these clubs in the end and the gym, I mentioned the gym before. Yeah. Yeah. Build this, you know, contribute to this community where we have positive elements that influence the way we feel and the way we experience our surroundings and behave towards others, you know, with enhanced empathy, with happiness, you know. Right. And so that's my point is, I mean, through the participation as a member, through the participation in these the social networks, you build stronger relationships, which ultimately have a positive impact on the workplace environment. And that's why I see the connection between HR, um, the staff association, and the IDB as a whole, you know, that the pieces that we offer contribute to a better work environment. And there's a win-win situation between all of us, you know, staff association, human resource department, and upper management that, you know, is, is important to take into account. Absolutely. You know, and when you're talking about these clubs, you know, in, in many organizations, what you're talking about would be an ERG, an employee resource group. And, and part of what's so great about those kinds of things, in addition to the things that, that you were talking about, is that it creates a sense of belonging. It creates a sense of connection. You know, we, we want organizations that are diverse and that have diverse kinds of ex lived experiences and, and, you know, all kinds of different perspectives that then get brought together. And when we create places inside the organization where people with like interests can come together for collaboration, for support, for, for you know, all, all kinds of things, one of the things that gets created out of that is this sense of belonging in the organization. And, and when we create that, when people feel like I belong here, I belong at the bank, the bank is, is part, of my, part of my home, part of my family, where my people are, then they get more connected to the work. They get more enthusiastic about the work. Their, their happiness quotient goes up. And, you know, so, so this idea, it's, it's why when uh, many practitioners like myself talk about diversity, we talk about now diversity, inclusion, and belonging, you know, instead of just diversity, inclusion, diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's now diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, because that idea of having a place where we belong is so important. I mean, it's, it is hardwired into us humans. And so, you know, it's, it's this idea sort of where you started about bringing humanity back to the workplace, putting the focus on the, the employees, not just, you know, the, the products, whatever, whatever they might be that the organization is creating. Absolutely. No, these communities are crucial for the belonging, right? I mean, that's what our clubs also promote. And you mentioned, yeah. you know, that we have the LGBTQ plus community, we have yep. the Women's Network and, and many others, and that is being promoted by the Human Resource Department. And that's a great thing. You know, we need these communities so that people have this feeling of belonging that yep. all of these little pieces contribute to a better work environment, a positive work environment where people feel comfortable, productive, and enjoy their workplace. 
Absolutely. So when you look forward, what do you feel like are, you know, the exciting opportunities in front of the organization? What, what do you feel like is sort of the next frontier, the next opportunity, the next thing that, that you are excited about taking on inside the staff association and helping to create for the bank and its employees? Well, currently, as you probably know, we have a new administration. The president came on yep. board uh, about a year ago. And uh, with that change, of course, upper management changes and so on. There will be new institutional strategies being rolled out and so on. So we do face, you know, here's some, some tensions uh, that or unknown elements that we need oh, to, you know, pay that, attention to, right? Darn unknown. It's the unknown. So, it's so challenging. Yes. So, I mean, we need to be prepared for it, but prepared right. for it in a positive tone, right? So, we, yeah. change is good, you know, and evolution is takes place, right? We all need to take that into account. But there are these new elements that come on board, the new institutional strategy, change will be happening. You have AI, you know, also having a greater impact on the way we work. So, all these kind of trends, we need to be aware of them and and see how we respond in an appropriate fashion, you know? Mm -hmm. awesome. In the end, I mean, see, my point is, I would like to differentiate people who work at the bank or any other international organization. We are, most of us are international civil servants, right? Yes. We are not any person who works in a private company in a given country. And that if, you know, I can switch around from one employer to the other employer, right? We are international mm -hmm. civil servants. Mm -hmm. And in, in that sphere, our labor market is totally, it's much more limited, right? I cannot yeah. simply jump around. So with all these changes that come down the pipe with any change in administration, I think we need to take into account that we need to do or plan any change in a human way. Because you cannot simply replace the international service servant from one day to the other, you know? Right. People have been living here 10, 15, 20 years and, you know, established families and so on. And the moment you, you are not employed by the IDB anymore or any other international organization, basically, we need to leave the country within right. a very short period of time. Yeah. I don't have the luxury of, you know, applying to, you know, 10 jobs or so within the same city I'm living now because I can't. I just right. do not have the option. I need to pack my bags and leave, right? Within a very relatively short period of time. And that is a challenge. But I think we can address it through intelligent human resource planning, you know? Yeah. And maybe what previous administrations have done is taken that into consideration. Let's respect the fact that we have here an institution, an international organization whose Employment model is based on international civil servants that comes with limitations. And so we need to program our human resource management around it. Yeah. You know, and I think it can be done. Uh, also, we're not a private sector company. We're a public sector company. And our mission is a really long-term mission. You know, yeah. we, we finance products that induce development in specific areas in those countries that we serve in Latin America and the Caribbean. So if there's an education project, hopefully we will have an impact on uh, the quality of education in a given country in Latin America and the Caribbean, right? 
So these are all long-term products. These are products that take on and have an impact over, you know, years. And our mission has been more or less the same over the past six years since the IDBs was created decades ago, you know? Uh -huh. You know, and, and it's one of those tensions because when we, you know, we are, we are now in a place in sort of the world economy where employees have their choice. We've got, you know, one point, I think it's 1.4 jobs for every person in the workforce. And yet we have, I, I was just with a group of CEOs the other day and, and the conversation turned to like, where have all the employees gone? Like, you know, we've got so many people who are doing their own thing and, you know, putting out their own shingle, being entrepreneurs. And so the pool of talented workforce has, it feels like it has shrunk. And so thinking differently about how do we keep the great people that we currently have? How do we invest in this workforce? And whether the pressure is, you know, we've got international civil servants, and so we need to ensure that that we don't completely uproot their lives, or whether you are a for-profit company that is is being threatened by losing institutional knowledge, you know, it's 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 the back of the hand and the front of the hand. You know, it it's all about how do we keep our talent engaged and happy and and feeling like the organization actually has their and cares about their future. You know, the the world of work, we you and I have talked about this, the world of work has changed fundamentally over the last 20 years. And what people expect from a workplace now is very different from what people expected from a workplace 20 or 30 or 40 years ago when I was starting my career. And so when we think about the role of human resources, when we think about the role of a staff association, when we think about the role of employees in an organization, we get now, it's, it's not we have to, it's we get to think really differently about how do we put the employee first so that then the mission of the organization and whether your mission is, you know, empowering people in South Central America and the Caribbean or whether your mission is, you know, creating a, a great pair of shoes, whatever, whatever your organizational mission is, how do we keep our employees engaged so that they want to stick around and do a great job? Excellent points here. And I think that's the, the combo between the human resource department and the staff association that we can yeah. accomplish just that, right? Because it's not only at the point of entry when a person is being hired uh, to work at the IDB. It's also throughout their, you know, career, professional career within the bank, right? That we need to take care of them. You know, knowledge changes, you know, there's always, you know, something new that comes, uh, comes up every five years or so. We need to kind of refresh our knowledge and, and stay up to date with uh, our technical expertise. You know, but the HR department has a very important role to just make sure that that happens, to make, keep people up to date, to keep people engaged and to maintain 
this workforce. Um, that's that's crucial. The employee first, but the employee is not necessarily first or seen first by the by the human resource department. Right. But to a combo with the staff association, we probably are getting there or getting yeah. closer to it, right? So that the in the end the human the employee, the human resources within the bank are treated in such a way that they feel comfortable, they feel embraced, they feel that not only can they do their job correctly, but they have other supporting uh, programs, you know, that uh, allows them to, you know, be engaged and be productive and be uh, happy at, uh, at the workplace. And I think this is this combination between the staff association and the human resource department where we can create this win-win situation, you know, and that's going best back to your first question is, it's the cost of not paying attention to the staff association is that we haven't disgruntled employee or we miss out on opportunities where we have a win-win situation if we would have engaged with uh, together, you know, to solve uh, different issues. So I think yeah. there is this positive aspect is if we work together, if we listen to each other, we can accomplish great things. I, I think that's the note that I want to leave things on when we work together, when we listen to each other not just hear each other, but listen to each other. We can accomplish great things. Huh. Thank you, Kai, so much. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your insights. Thank you for the great work that you are doing with the Staff Association and the great work that the bank is creating worldwide. It has been a joy and a privilege to have you here with us today. Thanks for inviting me, Janine. That's been my pleasure. Huh. I am Janine Hamner-Holman, and this has been The Cost of Not Paying Attention. Remember, great leaders make great teams. Until next time. On behalf of Janine Hamner-Holman, thanks for paying attention. This has been The Cost of Not Paying Attention. Head on over to our website, www.janinehamner.com forward slash podcast for access to the show notes as well as additional resources. Remember... Great leaders make great teams. I'm beginning to think. I'm beginning to think. I'm not sit here and just breathe. I think I might need a political science degree. I'm beginning